There's something about that song that just gets to me, Brother Bob Lynn. There's something about that song that just gets me moving. Over the past two or three years, every once in a while, it's not even usually in prayer, but there is something in my spirit that begins to get a glimpse of something I can't see completely, Brother Lynn, but, but I know it is good and it is powerful and it is blessing. And there's something in my spirit that I can't contain. And I want to thank Him for it, but I can't even see it and know what it is. But I know the blessings of God. I know that God is moving in our midst. I know that God still heals and God still delivers. So God, whatever it is, God, I'm ready for it. Judges chapter 6, verse number 15. And the word of God comes to Gideon by the voice of an angel. And Israel is being oppressed and tormented, if not completely held captive by the Midianites, people that are greater than them in numbers. And God says, Gideon, you will deliver my people. And it is not an uncommon response, and we often have this response in return to that feeling that something supernatural is about to happen, that God is finally getting ready to break through, that God is getting ready to let go of some anointing that is going to flow through us. And we began to feel that, but something in our spirit, I would say it's our flesh, begins to rise up. And He said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Uh, you don't even know the rest of the message, but you can probably tell where we're going. So I, I just want you to put down your Bible if you've got it, and let's just pray that the Spirit of God breaks forth in this place. Uh, that whatever He desires to do in lives right now, let something transformational happen. Are you ready right now? Jesus, uh, we pray over the next few moments. Uh, Lord, we believe that there was enough of Your Spirit in this place. Uh, that healing is already being loosed in the sanctuary. Uh, that deliverance is already being loosed in the sanctuary. Uh, that promises are already being loosed in the sanctuary. And Lord, so we pray, Lord, before we leave this place, that there has been a renewing of our mind, that there has been a refreshing of our expectation, that faith and anticipation of the supernatural is loosed in our lives, God. Let it be so in this place, that there was an expectation of a move and an anointing like never before, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a familiar subject, and I have preached from this passage, but maybe in a little bit different way than today. In our response to God after the promise of great things and of victory and of healing and of miracles and all the supernatural things that really deep down inside of our hearts we are so hungry for and we are so anxious for and we're so ready for. But about the time that the Word comes forward, there's something in our spirit that says, I, I, I'm not sure you have the right man. I'm not sure you have the right woman. I, I, I can't. I'm not worthy. Even though it is our greatest desire, there was something that begins to rise up in our thinking to, to somehow preclude us from the promise that God is trying to impart at that particular moment. It is, an inter it is interesting that we also find Elijah in a very similar situation. 
And even after the miracle on Mount Carmel and fire has literally come down and consumed not only the sacrifice but the water and the stones. And they have now uh, even slain all of the prophets of Baal. It is a mighty victory but somewhere between there and just a few verses later we find him in a cave afraid for his life. And the voice of God has to come to him and he says, Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I, 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 I've come with the message that God is getting ready to call you out of a place that he never intended for you to be. And when you allow, when you allow yourself, the spirit to stir up inside of you, and he takes from where you have secluded yourself to where he wants you to be, let me tell you, there is the miraculous that is getting ready to happen in your life. If you will answer the call, say, God, bring me out of this place. God, I never wanted to be here. This quiet, secluded place, the pity party. God has forsaken us. God has departed from us. God has left us. I'm the only one left. God has to tell him, I, I, I don't know where you got your information from. I, I, I don't know how you got to this place. Uh, I don't know if you remember these few, few verses before the, the miraculous things I did. If that wasn't enough, I got news for you. You're not the only one. You may feel like you're the only one still holding to the truth and the only one that still worship is worship with true worship. But I, I want to bring you from where you are to where God can bless you because you're not the only one. There's 7,000 prophets that, that have never knelt a knee before Baal. They never kissed Baal. Hey, you are not the only one you are not alone now get up from where you are because I've got work for you to do I, I want you to leave this place uh, this place of seclusion uh, this place of pity uh, and I, I want you to go and you're going to anoint a king uh, over Israel the next king and you're going to find a young man and you're going to take him and begin to disciple him and then the, the anointing that's on you is going to be transferred to him and he's going to be a prophet in your place uh, hey I've come to call some people it's time for us to get out of a cave uh, and say God uh, I'm ready for the blessing Blessings to flow again. God, I'm ready for the anointing to flow again. God, I'm ready, Lord, for the miraculous to be done again. There's not even a mention of the chariots of fire that are going to come down and swoop him up. And he's never going to taste death. But let me tell you, some of those miracles will never happen in our lives until we get up from that place of seclusion and that place of pity and that place of self-doubt and worthlessness and get into his presence. And there, there was a fresh anointing. And there, there was a fresh call from God. It's time for us to stop believing the voices in our head that have isolated us mentally and possibly even physically and, and we have secluded ourselves and then there's the thoughts of that we are not good enough and that God has deserted us and He doesn't do miracles like that anymore and you're the only one left and no one sees you or knows where you are and you cannot have victory and He doesn't do it for you. He'll do it for others but not for you and the promise is now 
somehow long forgotten and you're not from the right bloodline and you are from the wrong side of the tracks and really to be honest why would God choose you? Why would God even care about the things that you are facing considering all the times you've turned your back on him and walked away from him and secluded yourself in a place of isolation in a cave somewhere? Those thoughts, some of our own making, some are of our own making, but more often they are subliminal plants that are placed into our minds by the enemy. You may not know who you are yet, but the enemy does. You may not recognize the favor that you have on your life yet, but the enemy knows. You may be convinced that God can't do it and that God won't do it simply because of who you are, but the enemy knows different. Gideon is much the same. Why me, God? Why why would you show me the favor? He, he, He knows his lineage. And and he he puts this up to to God. He says, don't you know who I am? Don't you understand I'm of, and I've I've talked about this before, I'm of the tribe of Manasseh. I'm a part of the half tribe. Joseph was our father, and, and, and that line, that lineage, that tribe was split into two half tribes. And when my father had me, I was the firstborn. I'm Manasseh. I'm the one. That bloodline should have been the one that got all the blessing. And the secondborn, Ephraim, should have been the one that got whatever was left over. But somehow when Abraham, uh, the grandfather, was getting to raise his hands on Manasseh and Ephraim, uh, he skips over the firstborn of Manasseh and blesses Ephraim. And he does it intentionally. And Manasseh, not only is he a half-tribe, But now even in that half-tribe, the status should have been we're the first, and Ephraim is the second. But now the lineage, it's been swapped, and now he's not only a half-tribe, but he is the second of the half-tribe. He is at the bottom tier. That's who I am. Don't you understand, Pastor Jason, what my family went through? Don't you understand how I grew up? Don't you understand some of the things that I've seen and some of the things that I've went through? And we're just about the time when it seems like God's going to bless our family and God's going to do the miraculous for whatever reason. It seems like God always passes over my house and he lays his hand and blesses somebody else. Don't you understand? I'm not one to receive blessings from God. Not only that, but I'm the least in my family, and we're poor. I've got nothing. Why? Why? Why would God choose to use me? Why would God allow His anointing to flow through me? Why why would any of that happen? So there, God, your move. That's what I've got. And God's response is, I will be with you. Gideon, I'm not negating anything you have said. There is a lot of truth in your statement, in the message that is behind that. But, but I, I, I do not choose you because you are able. I choose 
who I want. I, I don't choose just because someone's able. I choose who I want. I, I don't choose people who know how, but I choose people that will allow me to work through them and who are willing to dedicate themselves and to submit to me. And, and I can do the miraculous in that individual. The truth is, it is not us. It's Him. Why are we so confused and to think that God can't do the miraculous or God won't do this or God won't do that because it's me. Hey, it's never been us to begin with. It's always been Him. In fact, the Word of God says, this is the Word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. To face an army of 120,000 and the most that Gideon can muster is now just 22,000. And you know the story that God says that's still too much. And now he's down to 10,000. And God says that's still too much. And he gets it down to 300 men to face an army of 120,000. And then God instructs him with this little bit and I, I wish this is the part that we could see every once in a while. God instructs him, Gideon, I want you to sneak down into the enemy's camp. I've got something that you need to hear. You're looking about the reasons why you can't and the reason why it won't and the reason why God won't bless and the reason why God won't anoint. I just need you to get down into the enemy's camp. And he sneaks down into the enemy's camp. And you know the story as well. And there the dreams have become nightmares. And they don't even completely make sense. Is that It's like a large barley cake is flowing down the hill. And the Midianites are terrified. Because this dream, this nightmare that they have is of this barley loaf rolling down and completely destroying them. Well, that's goofy. Until we understand that they have an impartation from God about who this barley loaf is. And they say one to another, and Gideon hears the words. And this is what they realize. For into his hand, into Gideon's hand, hath God delivered us, the enemy of Israel, the Midianites, and all the host. Just a glimpse into the enemy's camp. And realize what God has already done. The supernatural power. And, and, and that the enemy already knows what we do not know. And you wonder why at times Sunday is such a struggle. Because the enemy knows who you are. The enemy knows that the child you grab by the hand is going to have such an anointing upon their lives. That when they began to speak, there are going to be hundreds and thousands that are going to run to an altar and pour out themselves and repent. Why a son? Because the enemy knows they see the barley loaf getting ready to come down. Why? His Wednesday night seemed like such an impossibility because the enemy knows. Why does Bible reading seem like such a chore and at times too complicated and the language is too much? Because the enemy knows who you are. Why does prayer time have too many interruptions? Because the enemy knows who 
you are. Why do you feel so isolated and alone? It's because the enemy knows who you are. Why do you feel these feelings of not worthy and unworthiness? It's not simply humanity, but I believe that there is part of the enemy. The enemy knows that if I ever allow that one to get back into the presence of God, if I allow that one to realize simply who they are, something is about to happen. You are the least. You are the lowest. You are not talented enough. You are not of the right bloodline. You are not the right pedigree. You are not good enough. You are not loved by God. You are deserted. You are alone. It's because in the enemy's camp, they have already gotten a glimpse of you when God begins to walk with you and you with God. And their only hope is that you do not discover who you are for yourself. Their only hope is that their bluff of misinformation simply is believable for you. And you will sideline yourself. You will seclude yourself on the brink of the miraculous into a cave somewhere and say, woe is me. I guess God is done with me. Hey, I've come to get an awakening uh, which somebody uh, had the ability just to hear uh, what the enemy is speaking, uh, what the enemy is afraid of, that if somehow uh, a child of God says, you know what? Uh, I think I can walk with God just another step. Uh, I think I can go just a little bit further. There is the power of God, the destruction of your enemies. Pastor Jason, that's a little far-fetched. You're a little excited today. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I, I see things at times and it's not clear exactly, but it's enough that it affects my spirit. I believe that sometimes maybe it's God beginning to open up and began to show me some things and the blessings that are to come. But perhaps it's also that an enemy, I sense the fear of an enemy that is somehow losing its hold on me. And somehow your worship has gotten into another level. And there are some things that I never wanted you to see about yourself. And what can happen when you began to walk with God in the explosion of the supernatural. Could it be simply that there is the fear of an enemy that is so afraid. But when it meets the faith that is already loosed inside of me. That there is an expectation of the supernatural that is all the more excited. Yeah, James says, you have not because you ask not. And uh, Somebody, you got intimidated to even ask anymore. But I'm getting ready to tell you, your enemy is afraid of the things that you began to pull down in the supernatural when there is faith that begins to explode in a child of God. And you come boldly into the throne room and you begin to ask God, I'm ready for this to happen. I'm ready for this to transpire. Hey, there's the enemy who is afraid of what is about to happen. Oh, we could continue down, submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 
What is all that saying? Hey, there was something that has somehow been untapped. It is the realization of who you really are. Of the power that resides inside of you when he fills you with his spirit. And the enemy is forever distracting, confusing, misdirecting. Ooh, squirrel. And here it is over and over again. And we wonder. But I think that there was something beginning to awaken. And we can hear the fear of the enemy. As some children of God says, you know what, God? I'm just going to walk with you some more. God, if that's what you want to do, I'm, I'm just going to believe it. God, it sounds crazy. I, I can't tell anyone else, but I'm going to write it down in my journal. I'm going to write it down in this diary of the promise that you gave me on this date. I can't speak of it to anyone else. They won't understand. They won't comprehend, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to believe that it's going to happen. The supernatural is going to be loosed. In just a moment, there are any Bible quizzes that are in Psalms chapter 23, I might solicit your help here in just a moment. Can I do a plug for Bible quizzing? Why, why sometimes parents, you feel like it is a struggle? Partly because some of them are children, some of them are, are, are youth, teenagers, whatever. I, I get that that's the struggle. But I think that there's something else that goes on. <laughs> when hours of scriptures are read in your house and quoted from their hearts every single day. And you wonder why it is a struggle it's not simply because they're a child or they're a teenager, but that is the voice of God is being loosed in your home. And there is something being steeled inside of them. They don't totally comprehend it yet, but they will grow into adulthood and they will know who they are. And they will speak things boldly that we wouldn't have ever dared to speak. How? Because they grew up in the Word and the voice of God. They've heard His voice. They know who He is. One of my favorite, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I can't wait to get to verse 4. That, that's where, to me, it gets exciting. Because verse 1, 2, and 3, just kind of about the good things. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. It's so picturesque. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. To be completely honest, your enemy doesn't care if you go through the motions when all is good. The enemy is afraid what begins to happen in verse number 4 and 5 and 6. When it seems like your world is turned upside down. What are you going to do then? Any Bible quizzer got verse 4. For me. I see Keenan. Why don't you stand up? Say it loud, buddy. Verse 4. Yes. 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 <laughs> Some of us have walked by that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's when it's real. Uh, that's when I'm not just going through motions anymore. 
I will fear no evil. It didn't say that there wouldn't be any evil that would show up on your doorstep and there wouldn't be an enemy that would be pounding on your door. But it said when it comes, I will fear no evil. See, faith and fear are exactly the same. Both are a belief in something that has not happened yet. I refuse to carve out my future with fear. But instead, I choose to enact faith. And I believe that even if evil knocks on my door, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What are you saying? Hey, church, it's time for us to get a revelation of who we are. Thou art with me. Anybody got verse 5? Ellie? Thou art with me. I didn't tell them, especially these, that I, they didn't know that I was going to ask this. They just sits in their heart. God gave me a revelation of this a couple of years ago. And things were just not going very well on the job. I'll just say it was job related. And I was afraid. It seemed like people had turned against me. And bosses that I thought used to support me are now looking for any reason that they can to get rid of me. And I'm thinking I've got a baby at home. And I've got a mortgage now. And I've got all these things. And fear began to grip my heart. And something about this scripture came alive in me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou sustain me. Thou continues to pour into me even when it seems like the world is coming crashing down around about me and the enemy wants to eat upon my flesh. That's also in Psalms and it seems like everybody and God just gave me, I had taken all the decorations off my office walls and I had put them in a box because literally I was expecting that at any moment there would be a knock on my door and there would be a word that I was so terrified of. When I heard that word of God, I sat in my office. To be honest, I closed my door and tears began to pour down. And I began to realize God orders my steps. And it's like I could see a table before me. And it's just, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm, I, I'm not just going through motions. I'm doing the best job that I can. But I'm, I, it's, it's a table that's prepared before me, even though the enemy is desiring and de, uh, wanting to devour my flesh. There was a peace that washed over me. I even prayed for this, some of these people. <laughs> God removed some of these people. A God sustained me what happened in that moment I got a glimpse of who I am when God walks with me you can do whatever you want and maybe it ain't gonna be good but this one thing I know you're gonna prepare a table before me even in the presence of my enemies the last verse verse 6 any other Bible quizzers Cooper 
Yes. Yes. When you get a glimpse of the possibility, what is that first word, Cooper? What is that first word? Say it like you mean it. Say it like you really, really mean it. Surely. Surely. Means I am persuaded. I am convinced. There is nothing going to shake my belief in the power of my God when I walk with Him. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a call to this church. You don't deserve a single blessing. That's me saying, and it's probably the truth. I don't deserve a single blessing. None of us do. But God is a sovereign God. And He does what He wants. He moves how He pleases. And it's up to us to say, God, if that's your promise you're giving to me, I'm going to walk with you in it. It may seem impossible. It may seem like what I see in my future is very dark and gloomy. But God, if that's the promise you have, I'm going to walk with that. If you'll allow me just another moment. I've went just a little long, but I, I believe that God wants to remove some things from our minds here in just a moment. How and when did this transformation happen for Gideon? The first step was an altar. It was not to go buy a new sword, not leadership training, not to recruit an army, not advice and input from family or friends, but an altar. And if you will excuse the pun, he was altered at an altar. Something was transformed at that altar when God began to pull back the things that he could not see and began to show him the things that were going to be. In fact, he names this place Jehovah Shalom, means God or Prince of Peace. That's kind of perplexing to me when I begin to think about that. Why not name that altar the God of victory, the God of answers, the God of direction? All of these things that could be, but he calls it the altar where it's the prince, the God of peace. Because when God silences the doubt in your mind, there is peace, there is confidence. There was faith, and the miraculous can begin to happen in your life. As we stand in this place, I don't know what lie you have believed about who God can and cannot bless, use, heal, deliver, fill in the blanks with whatever is relevant to your story. But again, last time I checked, God is a sovereign God, and it means He is not bound for the approval of anyone. Whether we agree with Him or not, He's not required to take 
a pole in heaven and desire to decide, is, kid, is it all right if I bless this one? Because more than likely they would say, well, they, they're not worthy. But he does. And, and he's, you got proof for that? Yeah. Jesus, God, robed in flesh. Here he is ministering on earth, and there's a woman that comes to him. She is not of the tribe, any of the tribes of Israel. She's a Canaanite. She says, Jesus, my daughter, is vexed with the Spirit. Would you heal her right now? And in that plea of desperation, Jesus says, I've got nothing for the dogs. And this woman says, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Translation, I know I'm not worthy. I know I don't deserve it. I know I haven't earned it. I know I don't have the right bloodline. I know I'm not from the right side of the tracks. I know you've never seen me in the, in the tabernacle worshiping. But I know you're able. And I believe you can. And in that moment, Jesus does not pause to confer with his disciples and say, by a show of hands, who approves. He does not make a call to heaven and say, angels, we've got to have a quorum. Is it all right? But God himself makes the call and says, never have I seen faith like this. And immediately he heals that woman's daughter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how often you've been in this sanctuary. It doesn't matter a whole lot. But if you get into the presence of God, say, God, just walk with me. Open up my eyes to see. He can begin to pull back everything that has confused you and allowed you to be lost now in a cave, wondering if God can ever do anything again. This is what I felt in the Spirit. I know we went from this high now to this very calm place. But I believe it is Jehovah Shalom. There's a peace. That if you have found yourself in feeling somehow alone, somehow neglected, like I just don't know if God still does that anymore. I don't know if God still does miracles like that anymore. I don't know why God would even do that. I, I know what I heard. I believe that in this altar there's a place that God will begin, it's going to be a peace that happens and God is going to begin to open up your eyes. He's going to take those fears and begin to move them aside. Maybe some of you will get a glimpse into what it looks like right now in the enemy's camp that if she ever gets a hold of this, it's going to be like a barley loaf that is rolling down and it is going to destroy. Hey, we've got to do something right now because if those clay pitchers ever break and those trumpets of war ever sound from that child of God, there is going to be a revival in their home and we're not going to be able to stop it. There's going to be something that begins to happen. Hey, I believe that God wants to begin to let peace wash through this place and there is going to be faith and there's going to be expectation that is loosed. I'm opening up these altars right now.
These altars are open. God wants to begin to speak into a life right now. There's some promises. There's an expectation. There's a, there's a faith. There's a peace that's going to come when you begin to say, yeah, you got this, God. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. I know I'm not worthy, but God, with you, it's able. God, I know I don't deserve the anointing, but God, if that's what you said, I'm going to walk with you. There's an enemy that's afraid of what's about to happen when you step into that place, that altar of Jehovah Shalom. Peace. I'm going to ask the rest of this church to move to this altar area and find someone that is here in this altar because someone here in this altar needs to hear the voice of God. Someone needs to feel that peace. There's a troubling in their spirit. There's a fear that won't go away. There's a doubt that can't be removed. But someone needs to hear faith that's spoken into their life right now. God, someone needs to hear a, a child of God begin to encourage and strengthen. That's it. Begin to minister right now. Yeah.